Hello and welcome to the Lock In Podcast, the show that lifts the lid on life in the pub trade by those working in it. I'm the morning advertiser, Ed Beddington, and with me, as ever, are my trusty sidekicks, Heath Ball and Nicky Thatcher. Heath Ball is probably one of the best-known Australians working in the UK pub trade, ever since leaving his hometown of Hobbiton and failing to secure regular employment with Peter Jackson. However, he'll be cheering on this national side in the ashes over the coming weeks, I'm sure. What? Was what? that cricket, the ashes? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. Cricket. Well, uh, cricket. I mean, yeah. It, but he made a joke about the hobbits in New Zealand. Yeah. But then he makes a joke about cricket in Australia. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, it's pointless. It's like, seriously. Anyway, Nikki Thatcher is the morning advertiser's news editor and has limited interest in cricket. Cricket, Nikki. Oh, uh, yeah. There you go. Preferring the more aesthetic appeal of rugby union for some reason. Oh, yeah. Uh, in fact, James Haskell has recently written into the office asking us to try and stop her stalking him and getting people to demand videos <laughs> from him as well. I've got two. Two he's videos. Married. He's, married. he's married. So am I. <laughs> is he your... Is he That's like, your defence. Is, is he your, like... <laughs> Is it like, if I ever run into him and he wants me, I can have it? Is, is yeah. It have you got the hall pass from uh, Bobby? Well, I yeah. don't know, but I'm, I'm having the hall pass. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed is it, one. Is, is it like, thing. it's not cheating if it's a celebrity? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Really? If I saw him, I honestly don't know what I would do. I comes just, in, he comes I mean, in here a lot. Yeah, I know. Eventually he come comes here? in now. <laughs> oh, he's behind you. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> You'd be like, that's stalking I think I would. I think I would just fall on the floor. What's up with your mate? I don't know. Seizure. Stroke. Yeah, she's gluten intolerant. She had a piece of, she had a crouton in her Caesar salad. Brilliant. On that note, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, I think. One or the other. Uh, So we are nearing the end of this season of the Lock-In Podcast. And with summer almost upon us, if not already here, having skipped spring altogether, we're going to focus on getting summer ready in this episode. Heath has already (laughs) donned a thong and applied the spray tan, which we're grateful for, but we'd rather he put on a few more clothes. So uh, You want it. It's not okay to look like that in public, Heath. I don't care. You could have shaved. Um, So we've got some great guests joining us uh, to talk gardens. We've got the reigning pub garden of the year winner from the Great British Pub Awards, George Greenaway from the Tamworth Tap. Quite an appropriate last name, isn't it, Greenaway? Greenaway, yeah, that's true. And hearing from top legal eagle and podcast legend Andy Grimsey from Pop Salon on making the most of your outdoor space. (laughs) We'll be... What? What was I that funny? I just know. Like, I've got an inappropriate mind. Carry on. Brilliant. Well, you Excellent. shouldn't. Uh, we'll be talking summer drinks, what to stock or not, with CGA's Chief Stato, Phil Montgomery. And we'll be firing up the charcoal with Phil Sutton of Doghouse Pubs and Nina Matsanuga of the Black Bull in Sedbra to get the top tips on barbecue. And finally, we'll also be chatting about how to tackle wasps with that <laughs> bungay of the British Pest Control Association. So talk about pests, Heath. Yes. Something that's uh, not the type of piss you're thinking of. Right, okay, good. Okay, move, good. Along. That's, uh, move along. Uh, but before all that, what, what's been going on, Heath? You uh, been away again? I mean, sorry. That's, uh, <laughs> I was in Sweden at the weekend for a week. Yeah. Sweden, okay. Yeah. 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 And Prague before that. Yeah. Prague, yeah. yeah. Prague. Anywhere else? Italy, no. Italy, I believe. Oh, I'm sorry, did it. I yeah. forgot Italy. <laughs> you forgot Italy. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it's times are tough. <laughs> I know, really. Times hard. are tough. He's uh, had to limit himself to just it's, three. It's for my mental health. In, in two weeks. I need to get three out. Holidays in two weeks. I'm in, I'm in France next week as well. <laughs> then God I get back sake. and then I'm in Spain. Ah, uh, right. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. Like it's a big birthday for me, and I'm enjoying life. Uh, it's, uh, You're having according, fi- according, 50 holidays for 50 years. Listen, according 60. to the government, we've got two years left before AI kills oh, us all anyway. God. So I'm just getting <laughs> fingers crossed. Just getting as much in as possible. 
I, I mean, we haven't even got onto AI. Um, no, we could do that. No, maybe so. not. Let's not. Let's not. Maybe we do a future episode. Well, I suppose. So. I suppose a big thing this week is Jay Rayner going out to that pub in Kinnishtown, the Parakeet, and there was a dog there, and it's caused a lot of tension on Twitter. Mm. I mean, in Jay's defence, I have asked him to do stuff with us in the past, and he's always gone. I don't do pubs. I do restaurants. So his mistake was going to a pub to do a review of it and then expressing surprise about there was a fucking dog yeah. two dogs in a pub two dogs he, had, when he, he was bookend one either side yeah. yeah I mean I get it if you're used to fancy fine dining restaurants then yes you don't necessarily yeah, but he doesn't just review a poodle to pop up and start sniffing <laughs> your crotch it is, a, it is a tough room that room I've, been, I've eaten in there and it's a tough you've been down there but it's a tough room I didn't know you so stand up <laughs> It's quite close together. The table, there's no, you know what I mean? Like it is, it's not, you know, it's hard. Like, What was his big issue with the dog? Just the dog's dog. ass was in his face the whole meal, I think. <laughs> Why didn't he move? Kept sniffing him. Well, I think there was like, it was one of those ones. I was in it with, well, what can we do? And mm. we're dog friendly and stuff, you know, but it's... I mean, he said the staff were expressing sympathy and didn't like yeah. it, but you kind of go, it's Yeah, but then if pub. they express sympathy, you move it though. Well, I don't know, like it's... It's supposed to be a pub. Dogs, yeah, we, 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 we allow pubs in here. Uh, dogs. <laughs> we, <allow> pubs in here. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we always ask customers, hey, do you have a dog? Because we need to, we need a, we need a, you know, curate the room and how mm-hmm. they're going to be. Because, you know, some fact, pe- you have customers that demand a seat for the dogs. Yeah, oh, no, we do. And then kick off that they, you know. And a plate. Yeah, like we get, you know, we get some colorings, but it's, it's hard. I think post lockdown, people have more dogs. Definitely. There's a lot more going yeah. on. And, they, they, and since the dogs weren't socialised properly because we're in lockdown, they're there's a lot of issues that come with that. Yeah, yeah. So many, I see so many people and like things on mainly on TikTok about like dogs that are reactive to everything, yeah, everyone. They're not, they're not, they're not, they're not socialised. No. Do you know what I mean? So it's a tough one, but dogs and part like it's, yeah, like where do you go? And then what else has happened? Um, well, I mean, I do train strikes back on it's just fucking relentless I mean the uh, one of the guys up in uh, the pick and whistle up in Beverly was um, was uh, highlighting the uh, the challenges that you know he's had the worst week ever partly yeah. down to train strikes I mean it does uh, much as a uh, they do seem coincided to cause the maximum they amount do, they of, do it on purpose which is, which is fair enough yeah. I mean ultimately if you're going to cause a strike you're not going to pick the quietest day no um, it's just relentless but it's though, just, it? it's like we've got just enough challenges as it is and a nightmare for, for operators that mm. are struggling anyway so. yeah, it's like there's no I don't know there seems I think it's hard because people are obviously spending less mm. and not going out as much and it's hard because your costs are higher mm. and you're still trying to maintain that and then you know it's really hard you see they see Gary Usher's at his restaurants put up a big thing that he's changed from his set menu down to an a carte menu people are having to adapt all the time and it's well I mean he's had to flip back because he did the set menu in yeah. response to COVID didn't he so now he's gone back to a la carte yeah. I mean he's got a pub I guess he's never done set menu yeah, no, so anyway yeah. so it's uh, but you've it, got to you've got to you're constantly adapting but it's hard when your costs are just going up so much you've, you know like energy and then you know food inflation hospitality is 30% not 20% for the like at home and you know, and you're getting customers getting angry because things have gone up. And you're just like, you know, and then we become, suddenly hospitality's a luxury as the government's always classified us as, where if we're in Europe, it wouldn't be a luxury, it'd be a necessity. And then we're sort of punished because, the British public are getting punished because they want to go out and have a social life. But it's almost like Stalin Russia. It's like, no, you've got to be at home and be miserable because life sucks. And, you know, the government's <gasps> dumping sewage into the oceans and... <laughs> You know what I mean? We've got so many problems, Wait, and we've got a, we've got an inept government that I'm just do nothing. Korea reference. <laughs> yeah, but it's true that we've got a government that are literally taking the piss out of us every fucking day, 
and we all sit there because we're British. Well, I'm not British. You're Australian. Yeah. yeah, Australian. Yeah, great. But we sit there and we get mugged off by this government constantly so every you, day. What are you doing about it? Yeah. Well, every time I talk about doing something about it, everybody goes, oh, it's too radical. And you sit well, there. Well, what do you, you want to do then? Well, I think we just we say enough's enough. We're not doing it. Well, not doing what? Oh, well, we don't pay VAT then. We want change in VAT. We all go, we're not paying VAT. That's it. Simple. And what are they going to do? Look, they're going to come after all of us. Yeah, great. We're just saying, as a hospitality no, no, sector. No, no, just come after you. Yeah, but, but that's the problem, though, isn't it? I'd do it, and everybody go, and then no one else would go, oh, no, we don't want to do that. All the big pub goes, oh, no, we don't want to upset the government. <laughs> Everyone will have taken a step back. Yeah, yeah exactly. And the and going, I won't be the martyr, I'll be the fucking fool getting shot. But we need, if we want effective change, we You'll actually need to push that. always be a martyr to me. But we, you know, look at, look at, look at Europe with, with COVID and lockdowns, right? They got, they got given money. We took debt. Yeah. We're servicing debt. We've got a downturn in trade. And the government do not fucking care. You've got Rishi getting a fucking helicopter out the Kent, putting on a pair of stupid boots and talking yeah, about it's, be cheap it's, all, it's all smoke and mirrors. It's look over here, look over here, look at these problems over here. And meanwhile, our sector's on fire. And every day, I see the Woolmer Castle in Notting Hill's not reopened. Piers Adams, who owns that, that's not reopened. He's got a lot of money. So you're seeing operations just getting shut down. People are just looking at it going, what's the fucking point? And then you've got the big pubcos buying up more and more. And then it's going to be, you know, who's left at the end? It's, mm-hmm. it's not pretty. And it's not, we're losing independent businesses that are creative because it's no longer, you know, the problem is we're all a bunch of fools in this industry, the independents, because we do it because we love what we do. And yet the, we just get mugged off because we actually, we're our own worst enemies. We're not commercial enough. We need to charge more and we're scared of charging more and we're scared of losing customers because it's our face on the brand. And it's, it's, it's fucking difficult out there. And we're, good, we're not having a great summer and then we're going to come into winter and things are going to get tougher. Once, once, that, like once we lose daylight saving and we go into winter and people are really not spending money and the energy bills are still biting and the cost of food and we're not going to get any food in this fucking country because mm-hmm. there's no food we can get because we've fucked ourselves by not being in the single market. So we're running out of shit. Even the strawberry farmers are selling off to Bulgaria. We're fucked. <laughs> we are so fucked and we sit there because we're British. I say we're British, but Australia. I've got a British passport. We sit there and we take it because it's the stiff upper lip and it's, it'll be okay in the end. And meanwhile, we're getting led by donkeys like absolute idiots who are letting, are just walking all over the hospitality sector and we don't have a say and it's just bullshit. And we'll sit there and we'll soldier on and it'll all be okay and we'll get through summer and everybody'll have loads of cocktails and we'll be happy. Meanwhile, optimism is rising in hospitality <laughs> business leaders. According to a CGA. Is it survey. really? Yeah. yeah, but who are they asking? Who the fuck are they not asking? Not you, clearly. Yeah, but, it's just, but it's just a joke. It's like, you know, because the thing is, when you're distracted by having to pay bills and do all these things and, and, and navigate the, the, the choppy waters we're in, you're not investing and you're not spending time giving the guest a real experience because all your head's somewhere else. Mm. So, you know, we we used to have a world-class hospitality business and where people used to look at us and go, London's really got back on its feet and they're doing creative things. We don't anymore. Mm. We don't. We so, don't have that. So 54% of, of leaders, according to a, a survey by CGA, with a compulsive uh, NIQ lies. and forth, <laughs> feel optimistic about business prospects over the next 12 months. Yeah, but if you've got good cash flow and you've got money in the bank, you can sort of, you know, if you can ride this out, right, and you can get your energy bills under control and you can get your spending and you can, you can manage it, you know at the end there's going to be less hospitality businesses. So your competition's yeah. gone down and you should do, in theory, better. Mm. Yes. 
Well, if people have money to spend. That's the problem, though. Even even the people with money are being really careful because even if you had a low interest rate mortgage and then you yeah. suddenly your interest rates have gone up, you're paying an extra... Everyone's been more careful. And, the, you know... Well, I mean, on, on, a, on a brighter note, Heath, uh, we recorded the last episode on Guinness. Have you tried the uh, Camden Stout yet? No. Right, we're going to make him It's just, a, you know, they're all, they're all... For years, they all toiled with it. They, remember, they did Camden Inc. and it was shit. And they've all tried. And then suddenly... Guinness is like now the number one beer in the UK and they're all going, oh shit, we need to get on the bandwagon. And it's, it's you know, they just, I don't know. Like, well, that's, that's what we're going to do after we recall this. We shall go and find somewhere that serves candle stout and make Heath drink it. Pin him where, down, pour it down his throat. Like, where though? I don't know, we'll find somewhere. Well, there's a Camden Brewery in Kenish Town, we can get yeah, on there. But there yeah, why not? Right, uh, on, on a slightly more positive note, maybe, sort of, go ish. Ish. I'll what? part that one there. <laughs> This is the Lock-In Podcast, and we're focusing on the summer with this episode. What's better in the summer than a cracking pub garden? Uh, Heath, you've got two, but then you're greedy, so... Um, yep. Uh, but we've got two great de- guests joining us now, George Greenaway of the Tamworth Tap and legal genius Andy Grimsey of Popston Allen. And I'm not going to refer to you as uh, a widow twanky impersonator this time, Andy. You'll be pleased to know. So. And well, that's very common. Although well, well, legal genius is a bit, uh, a bit extra. I must admit. It, it's, well, yes, yeah. I, I'm being nice, okay? You do me a favour. So, uh, guys, nice to have you with us. Cheers. Cheers. So, George, um, you're the reigning champion uh, pub garden. You won the uh, Great British Pub Award title there. Um, let's just start off, you know, what, what makes a great pub garden for you? Um, it's uh, Obviously, it's got to be a destination. It's got to be somewhere alternative to a good interior. Um, it's no good just being a, a, a car park. I guess it was going to be a great one, um, and there were plenty of those post lockdown mm. as well. The, um, uh, sort of ad hoc spaces, shall yes. we say. Um, yeah, I mean the the, the 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 garden feedback I get from customers is just a magical space and and an experience rather than just somewhere alternative to have a drink. Indeed, and I mean, what makes yours stand out? Would you say? For, uh, um, the Norman Castle in the garden, <laughs> <laughs> thousand-year-old wall, um, the sixteen thousand hours that I've ploughed into um, designing sort of little areas, seating areas, uh, social areas, interaction areas, and the outside bar and the food offering and the loos as well. There were no loos there originally, so um, it, it, everything really that just goes towards uh, building up that that sort of complete experience. In terms of sort of trade, you know, how much difference does does the garden make to your business? It's 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 ludicrous um, at this time of year now, and uh, I'd, I'd 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 even be sort of edging on the sort of fifty percent increase in in this year's revenue just for the garden. Right, and yeah, incredible. And I mean, Heath, you've you've got two gardens. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, as I said, you're greedy, but and, <laughs> I mean. It's you huge. Make use, you make yeah. good use of it, don't you? We cover the front garden, which is uh, post-lockdown. We've kept the marquee up um, and take all the sides off in the summer. Then the back garden's not covered. But, yeah, it, it's we go crazy. Yeah, like a, like 50%, if not more. It's just, we're, it's wild. Mm. People just want to be outside. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And, and you made a decision to cover it um, sort of fairly 
recently, didn't you? Well, no, I did it two years ago. Right, it was sort of a COVID, COVID sort of response. Yeah, I it? sort of, and I'd never get away with it in a conservation area, and I put it up. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say it, it looks a bit shantytownish. Uh, Shut up! It's beautiful. <laughs> it's it's like a Cinderella glass ball, uh. full of happiness. <laughs> A low-rent Cinderella glass. It looks great. Look at it. I've covered it in plants. Got hanging baskets. I've got like beautiful bay tree. So you've covered it all up because you don't really want to. No, but it means I can book it all year round. Before we'd only book out the front. You know, we never book out the front or the gardens. But I can take bookings all year round now. Mm. It helps. Mm. And George, I mean, do you uh, do you trade the garden all year round? I mean, what's what's your situation with that? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm always sort of cautious, really, that it's at its peak, um, cosmetically, during the summer. So, it, it, to, to a certain extent, you don't want to inhibit that sort of, that view of it um, by opening on a, on a gloomy day or um, throwing it down with rain. Um, we're, we're not covered um, completely. We do have, we do have uh, covered seating areas and heaters and all that type of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, I tend to sort of select and, and think, okay, it's in its prime um, um, appearance. We'll, we'll open it. Um, we, do, we do have the benefit of being able to sort of cordon that off completely. So um, mm. we've got a front area uh, to the street uh, with a street cafe license and awning. So that's adequate, really, right. sort of on inclement sort of weather, really. Mm, okay. And in terms of sort of um, getting it ready for the summer, I mean, what sort of things do you do to uh, to ensure you're going to get the most out of it? Yeah, it's it's, it's a full clean down and, um, uh, and 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 weeding and all that type of stuff. Uh, new new flowers. We've just had all the uh, the, the troughs and pots all replanted at, at, at a cost and increased cost to last year, as you'd expect. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, liquor varnish and paint and. Uh, and, and all that type of stuff as well. So yeah, the, the, it's quite. You can't just and 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 also what you store in in there as well. Being a brewery, um, and um, you can't just sort of say, okay, uh, we, we in February we get a nice sunny day. Let's just open it for the day. Um, it's a good couple of weeks really preparing it, getting it ready. Um, Heath, what's 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 your sort of prep? Do you do a lot of prep? I do. Yeah, I do all the gardening myself, which is like you can see over there. I've got some problems. I have to Google why that client's not working. Because <laughs> um, I saw yeah, someone having a wee in it. Earlier. Yeah, it's a bit of work though, isn't it, Andy? Like you've got to, it's not just, you just go and open. It's like you need to spend time on it. And yeah, I think that's the thing though. Like people, I think in the old days would be so easy just to open a space up that was outside and the British people would go, oh, it's sunny. <laughs> and they wouldn't care where they were. That's, you know, they're like, you know what you guys are like. You, you take your shirts off on like a 20 degree day. <laughs> so everyone gets really excited, but I think you've got to put a lot more effort in these days and you've got to make your gardens look super pretty and spend time and it's an effort and it's a lot of money as well. And then it, you get isn't, isn't that something, I mean, that's, that's generally the, the, the way for all pubs these days. You know, yeah, you've got to make more of an effort. The, yeah. and, the yeah. problem is you go and spend loads of money on plants and all that and then these little kids will just come along and rip them out and they'll laugh and then you just think, right, you little shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I put signs up now saying, you know, uh, uh, George, is that is that the problem for you, little shits, Rippy? I mean, uh, delightful children. <laughs> well, we're in a, a, an eighteen plus venue, right? Oh, really? Uh, and the whole nature of the garden is, um, it would be pretty hazardous for for, for kiddies to be running around. Mm. Um, it is a very grown up sort of environment with the brewery again as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we, we um, um, again because we manufacture alcohol on site, it was a decision that. 
Yeah. Um, over 18s was 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 important. Fuck, that must be nice. <laughs> it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> you know it's a I mean? lot cheaper on on plants. Do you let dogs in as well? <laughs> yeah. Do you, are dogs okay? Yeah, dogs as long as they're, as long as they're, they're well behaved and stay on a leash. Don't dig up the plants. Eat and off seats. Yeah, my customers lead them off the lead. And they run into the garden and just destroy things, and then you're like having arguments with these fucking pricks. You need to have better control of your customers. I think. Yeah. I need tasers. Yeah. Tasers. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we can talk about it with uh, you know. <laughs> see the legalities of that with Andy. Yeah. Andy, we'll come to you on the taser. Thing, uh, sure. <laughs> we have great customers. <laughs> good, 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 uh, good. Uh, come back there, George. Um, in terms of you mentioned costs as well. I mean, what sort of costs are we talking in terms of planting? Um, can you give us sort of broad brushstrokes on that? Um, um, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a big garden, but yeah, a couple of thousand pounds on. Uh, on perennials and mm. that type of stuff, um, so twice a year, right? We'll, okay. we'll, we'll do a plant, yeah. So, it's, it's um, so all through budget. the winter, it's a significant bit of budget then to, to, to get it. It right. is, yeah, yeah. But it's a significant revenue stream as well, so mm. it, it can't be ignored. Mm. You can't cut corners with it. Mm. Um, you've, you've got to give people that experience and put a smile on the faces and sort of agree really with mm. um, with the judging. Yeah. On, uh, on morning advertiser that yeah this is uh, the best beer garden in Britain <laughs> George do you look after all the plants and everything yourself just from someone who's really good at keeping yeah, plants yeah we'll, so we'll, we'll, we've nightmare. got an official deadheader who's yeah. uh, He's a regular customer and uh, Jane. That's a job title and a half, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll explain to Nikki later what a yeah. deadheader is. It's not what I'm you sure think it is, Nikki. Got that, that, that uh, for, their, for, for one of their firms one day. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So, so we got the, the official deadheader, and um, yeah, I, I tend to water, and and it's it's all hands on deck. So if I have a few days, and the uh, the team will step in and, and do that for what's us. it like when they put the hose pipe ban in though what's that been like i know it's been a disaster for me i'd have to walk around yeah we're, we're, we use bagers as well so, okay. so we've got we've got recycled rainwater that we can rely on um next to the generator you're all we might need to rely yeah, on one day <laughs> sustainable pub of the year here um moving on from gardens i mean hey what, what do you do do you i mean how much do you invest in in the garden and, and the plants a lot yeah like all these planters you can see around the side they're all new from last year um you know, I mean, it's like I'm constantly going. I, I kill a lot of things. I don't know what happens there, but there seems I'd, to be a lot of death <laughs> around me. That's <laughs> where you bury the bodies. I don't it's know. Yeah, like some, me, but yeah. I've got a company that does my hanging baskets and the troughs up there. That okay. sort of skip, but they do. Got a company that does that, and then I'll just do everything else myself. And a lot of it's googling. I spend a lot of time googling what plants are and what's you know. Like we we've got box here. We're telling you if you actually. No, we've got box hedging all around the pub. You see all this box hedging? Mm. There's a moth that comes from Germany. And just one, decimates one it all for a week. One. Yeah, no, it's it's one guy. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to you got a little the... towel. Pricks. <laughs> 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 but you have to go around and spray with these things, and it's a lot of effort. Then I've got like powdery mildew going on over here, and you know, I mean, it's, and then you've got slugs and you know, snails, and you know, and, you know. So it's a bit of work. Mm. And cost-wise, what, what oh you man, I spend a lot of money, like buying stuff ballpark thing I don't know yeah like I've just bought an olive tree that was 500 quid with the, with the thing out the back garden you're going to get any olives off it I don't, I don't know <laughs> maybe next year probably but, you know but it's constantly like trying to you know this big bay tree that's not cheap you know mm. what I mean? it's like all this sort of stuff and yeah. Once, once you've got these things, you've you've got them there. Yeah. That's the so, well, so your garden yeah. furniture. Yeah, but it's Heath; he'll kill it. So yeah. man. Um, I'm <laughs> sick and tired of buying flowers, and then they die like a couple of days later. Yeah, I'm sick and tired I of this shit. I know how you feel. This is fucking yeah. like. 
But generally speaking, when you buy cut flowers, they don't tend to live that long. No, no but like plants, like perennials and stuff, and then you plant them, and then and again, they only flower for a short time. Yeah, it's that's what I don't like it. about flowers. Why can't right. they just stay alive and just flower all the time? It's because that moth comes over from Germany. <laughs> <laughs> German moths, mate. I thought we stopped this. It's another thing to blame Germany. No, yeah. we won't go. Maybe it's anything. So um, let's let's go on to the legal side because uh, yeah, we've spent far too long with casual racism there. Um, Andy, tasering customers. I mean, not tasering customers. Um, let, let's talk about. Sort of, we, we we touched on it with 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 COVID, and you know, not every pub is blessed with without outdoor space, but we saw people manage to claw and get bits out here, there, and everywhere during the crisis. Some of which are being being able to cling on to. What, mm. what is it? If a pub's got a bit of frontage that, uh, that they can stuck a few tables on, I mean, what, what are the rules? What do they need to bear in mind? Um, I suppose the first thing is, uh, you know, who, whose land is it? If, if it's your land, then, then you're, you've probably got more, um, more chance of exploiting it than, uh, than, than otherwise. Uh, and really, what you want to be thinking about then is um, getting consent of your landlord. If, if you've got a landlord, looking at the lease, um, looking at your insurance provisions, uh, doing probably a bit of a risk assessment, um, thinking through any impact on on neighbours. You know, we all all have pubs in, in lovely areas where our neighbours are you know far, far enough away not to be disturbed by the cleaning glasses and a bit of chatter in the back garden. Um, so, if it's your land, you're probably good good to go. Uh, it's it's really when it's the um, uh, when it's the highway, uh, and then you you're looking at getting permission from from the council or somewhere. Uh, on your front front pavement. Now, the government, if you remember, during COVID was was as helpful as it could be because the Business and Planning Act allowed uh, premises to apply for a fast track pavement license. That, mm. You know, any any highway um, abutting their premises uh, that could be granted very very quickly only cost a hundred quid. And um, uh, and Bob's your uncle also allowed for off sales to take place for premises that didn't necessarily have. Um, permission for off sales on their premises license, or if they did have permission for off sales, they had conditions which prevented um, uh, people taking um, drinks away other than in sealed containers. So you could actually sit outside with your pint on the highway, provided you've got the payment license for £100 from the council. Mm-hmm. And those provisions still exist. The government is seeking to make them permanent in a bill called the Leveling Up Bill at the moment, and we're hoping that that will come into force in the next few months at the latest. The off-sales provisions, equally, the government has expressed an intention, I think, to to extend those permanently as well. So the two sort of things in terms of using the, 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 the highway, getting that pavement license, as we call it, you call it tables and chairs license. I think, George, you called it street cafe license. They've got, they're called 101 different things around the country. It's all about using the public highway for your business. And they are incredibly good value because for £100, they're going to be, it's going to go up to, I think... Five hundred pounds and three hundred and fifty pounds for a renewal, but compared to the business that you can get from using somebody else's land, yeah. i.e., the council's land, is absolutely it's a no-brainer, generally speaking. So those are the two main sort of permissions that you'd be seeking for. It's really, in my view, make sure you've got your insurance to cover you, uh, and make sure you're not going to pee off your neighbours because if you pee off your neighbours. <laughs> Then it doesn't matter how many permissions you've got; they're going to they're going to you know cause you grief, and the environmental health officer will be down, and there'll be threats of reviews of your premises license. There will be threats of noise abatement notices, etc. Oh uh, and that requires just 
buttering them up and keeping them sweet, which, of course, licensees are brilliant at doing because they're people people. What is that, like a brown envelope full of cash? Yeah, basically. It helps in some parts of the country. (laughs) Particularly Highgate, by the sounds of it. So, I mean, just, I'm I'm conscious we have gone way over, mainly because there were some great jokes about moths in there, but I'm... (laughs) And tasering. Um, But, I mean, Andy, in terms of councils, are they they supportive of businesses wanting to, to set up outside, or are we seeing a bit of a, a pushback against it well the, the the lag the sympathy lag from covid has gone right uh, that's that's pretty much for sure that's what anecdotal from my experience mm. they're, they're looking at businesses standing on their own two feet now um generally speaking they are supportive of of the licensed trade the specifics can differ you know if you're in the wrong place and you've got and you're very close to to neighbours, then you've got a problem, and 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 you should have been aware of that when you first, you know, took on the tenancy or bought the freehold, because, you know, you have to get on with your neighbours. It's as simple as that. So you might have a condition on your license saying the beer garden has to be shut at 9 p.m., and that might be considered a reasonable condition by your local licensing mm. committee. Other places, 11 p.m. might be considered reasonable. It's all question of fact and degree. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's that's the general view that I that I've picked up. Perfect. Brilliant. Uh, like I said, we, we are unfortunately out of time, but um, George, thank you very much for that. Uh, some some great thanks, thoughts there. And, uh, and Andy, thanks very much, and good luck with panto season. <laughs> I knew you'd get it in there somewhere. <laughs> Never again. Never again. Sorry. Cheers, Andy. Cheers, George. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Such a bullion. This is the Lock-In Podcast, and we're talking about summer trading, and what could be more summer than a barbecue? Pubs throughout the UK are embracing the opportunities of outdoor cooking to add a touch of theatre and excitement to their menus. So I'm delighted to welcome two great guests, Phil Sutton from Doghouse Pubs and Nina Matsunaga of the Black Bull in the Sebra to join us on the podcast. I apologise now, I've probably just completely mangled your surname there, or did I get anywhere near right? No, uh, not you phil not you brilliant good good let's set the tone i think for uh, for the rest of this uh conversation so all right let's let's come to you phil um smart ass i mean uh phil um you're running a barbecue offer um at the perry hill pub uh in south london you did tell me where it was forest hill somewhere around there anyway uh deep deepest darkest uh, scary south london so tell us a bit about what you do um and why you're doing it Okay, yes, yeah, so, um, well, we opened the pub a couple of years ago, and um, we were looking, just trying to decide exactly what to do for our food offering, you know, we wanted to do good pub food, and then we have a we have a pretty huge garden, we can sit about 250 people in one go, so we were trying to think about how the heck are we going to be able to serve all these people consistently well with a good product, mm. um, getting it all out quick enough out of the kitchen, um, and so... We also, at the time, we had a bit of a, a hut outside and we came up with this idea, it'd be amazing, we're going to turn this hut into a smoker and we'll smoke all our meats in there and it'll be amazing. So we started looking into it a little bit more, started um, realised that it's a really, really bad idea just to do it in a hut. <laughs> you, there's actually maybe a little bit more to this than we, than we first thought. So you start doing a bit more research, a bit more research. Managed to find a um, second-hand big industrial smoker originally over from Texas that we got for about 10 grand um, had it craned in which is one of the scariest experiences of my life having this thing floating around in the air got it dropped into the backyard um, and then we so we started using it we got a bit of extra help so we got some people came in and we spent 
time overnight working out how to use this big old American smoker and things like that. Um, and we were able to do really what exactly what we wanted so we can do like, like loads of briskets in there at the same time loads of chickens and things like that and we can make basically a really large qual quantity of really good quality product um, and then the key thing for us as well is this I we only ever wanted to sell stuff that we were like do you know what this is we genuinely believe this is really good and I wouldn't let the guys put a steak on the menu for about a year and a half because I was just like, we're never going to be able to buy a steak or sell a steak at the price we should sell it at for it to be half decent for me. Mm. So it was like the, with the cost of price, we're going to have to sell it at 20 odd, 30 quid. And it was like for a, for a local neighborhood pub, that's not, I don't think that's right. That's what we should be doing. So from doing the stuff more with the barbecue, we sort of were able to buy traditionally cheaper cuts of meat, but treat them with a lot more love and get a really good product out of it at the end of it so suddenly you can get something you can put on the menu for half the price you would have to a steak but that's arguably as good if not you know really great quality and really good food that you're really proud of and then you've got the consistency as well you know when you when you've nailed that brisket you know the whole brisket is going to be bang great all the way through um same with all the other with the different bits once you once you've got a hang of it it is a bit of an art though that yes. I can imagine it's, it's a bit more advanced than my usual sort of burnt sausages and, uh, and, and burgers on the barbecue at home, um, which are excellent, by the way, Nikki. You can stop looking me like that. Um, Nina, I mean, you're, you're an award winning gastropub. I mean, it is, can I just say, it's a real pleasure to have a proper gastropub on the podcast. Um, <laughs> What he? Nothing. Good. Uh, <laughs> so thank you for joining us. I mean, how gastropubs and barbecue? How how does that fit together? Because you you kind of I mean Phil but rightly has pointed out there is an art to barbecue. Um, but when you think gastropubs, you don't naturally think of barbecue. But you guys are, are doing a bit of barbecue. Yes, we do. Yeah, we do. Um, we in the summer especially. I mean, we've we've introduced it in the winter now with like smaller sort of, sort of Conroe barbecues now. But um, in the summer, we've, we've got a custom-made barbecue outside that we got done um, during lockdown, between mm. the two lockdowns. Um, so it's big enough to where you can spit those things on it, um, you know, or, and just, you've got a fire pit, basically. And then we added the, uh, like, a really large Gosney pizza oven to it as well, just to be able to have that, basically, just have a kitchen fully outside. Mm. Um, I think it works in a gastropub, um, sort of, experience and environment i mean i suppose all sort of most michelin kitchens these days have the sort of fire element yeah, yeah. yeah. it's all really cooking over them. fires uh, is, is very popular as yeah big green terrace haven't they all of them you know and all that type of stuff mm. yeah exactly i mean if i think it's i mean we're not we're not quite as sort of refined as the big green egg kind of thing and you know a lid on the commander joe kind of thing um, we're a little bit more you know it's, a, it's um a sort of charcoal and uh, wood fire cooking yeah, for us yeah. uh, keep it simple but make sure that the product is right I suppose yeah and I guess you you you, you were able possibly to as, as Phil was saying he, he can't necessarily get away with the steaks but is that something you can do is it, is it or you keep it fairly simple on um, we keep it simple in a different way I mean we the way the way we buy um, meat is that we buy a full full cattle full lambs and full mm. pigs 
So we need to use the entire uh, animal. Yeah. So for us, it makes sense that, especially outside, to use more like Phil said, just you know, like the, the sort of secondary cuts that people might overlook a little bit. But things like pork necks, um, shoulders, yeah. we've got briskets, um, short ribs, and we also use a lot of mince and turn it into like Japanese sort of scoony meatballs, which have gained quite a lot of popularity in London. But obviously, outside of London. The whole sort of Japanese food scene is quite small, I suppose, and especially yeah. in Cumbria, I mean, it's not massive. Um, so it, it adds a little bit of something new and different to people's food, yeah. as well as for us to be able to use up this sort of more secondary cut, I suppose, rather than just doing burgers. And, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and we do burgers as well, and we do them well, I think, because mm. um, it's still, again, is our own cattle, and, you know, we, we get them seasons the way seasons the way we want it, or we do our own sort of um, burgers that we press ourselves depending on, on the time mm. um, and and yeah it, it makes sense to include the elements of that obviously on there we, we have fire roasted um, sauces like a Nampric Noom on the menu quite often um, which is basically like a Thai um, relish where you roast all your vegetables over the fire and over charcoal yeah um, and uh, we cook you know we cook certain things like our flatbreads and stuff outside uh, just to make given that sort of extra flavor and then we will use them indoors right um yeah i think it has it has its place and i think people people probably haven't realized maybe that we're using those things mm. um because it kind of for us it's like second nature we're just using it because the equipment is there and we've, we've already got the barbecue going or we've got the it's cheaper you know, than the gas and electric maybe as well as uh yeah. is that a factor it's a bit of flavor as well yeah like when you're cooking with yeah. gas and electric it's shit I mean, Heath, you've got two gardens, as we've established, yeah. uh, but you don't do any barbecue. I used to. Yeah. And then I got lazy. <laughs> just too much work. I'm sick and tired of hurting myself and burning myself. So you lent your barbecue equipment to Phil. Yep. Yeah. And right. then Phil's... Yeah. He's like never he's, returned he, it. He's just, just the hog roast there. Just uh, the yeah, roast. I just lent him my big hog roast machine. But yeah, like, you know, it just it's time, isn't it? You need, like, we've we found when we're doing barbecues and stuff, it's uh, you'd have customers who want to eat off the barbecue menu and you'd have customers who want to eat off the normal menu and they want it to land on the table at the same time and, you know, we sit 200 at once and it's just, it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, it, we talked about barbecue. I mean, barbecue is very meat-focused and uh, I can't believe I'm actually asking Good this. Good God, it really? Um, but what about the vegetarian vegan offer when it comes to barbecue? And Heath, I was going to tell you about this girl who only eats plants, but you've probably never heard of her, her before. Oh, oh my, my God. God. No? S- security. <laughs> <laughs> but what about vegetarian offer? Is, is that something you... I mean, Phil, do you do anything for the, for yeah. the veggies on yeah, the barbecue? You can't, you can't not nowadays. No. You can't not. We, we always make sure we've got... We always have to have at least a couple of vegans and a couple of, and then on top of that, a couple of veggies as well. So that's half the fun of the challenge to the guys when we sit around chatting about what we're going to do is let's try and come up with something fun and interesting to throw in the smoking. So it's, you know, delica pumpkins are a good one. We like smoking mm. aubergines are good. You know, uh, we sometimes, you know, for all I try and keep the many British books, if we can sneak a bit of miso on there on an aubergine in the smoker, it comes out delicious. He's a big um, aubergine fan. He's constantly trying to find different bits of, you know, sm- we were smoking celeriac for a while and then we God. were sort of deep frying that afterwards and stuff like that. So there's loads of different vegetables you can try it with. It's fun though, you do find some things don't work, you know, so we were, but that's part of the fun of it. You've just got to play around with them sometimes. Like we tried, we wanted to do a smoke baked potato so we threw that in the oven didn't work so uh, so then we threw a couple of blocks of butter in there and then they, so then you get smoky butter put that in the back in the potato does it not melt 
Mm. Yeah, so you're like, so it's just um, having a bit of fun with it as well. So the latest one we do, which we quite like, is we throw a few tomatoes in there and then mash them up, serve it with mezcal for a smoky Bloody Maria. Oh. Okay, you had me there. Yeah, like the rest of it, I was falling asleep. Yeah. But there, there's eyes yeah. Alcohol, you're in. Once you said mezcal, I'm like, hey. I mean, strictly not vegetarian in the sense I was, but that's fine. Uh, works. I mean, Nina, are you, what about you? Are you, uh, do you? Do you just stick to the meat or do you do any vegetarian stuff on? We do do vegetarian stuff. I think um, I'm, we do the sweet corn with miso glaze and no, we do no, like an aubergine no. again as well uh, mm. with mm. miso glaze. I think it's quite a sort of standard, not standard, but I think it's quite a classic combination, especially for Japanese, sort of a more Japanese fare. Mm. Um, we've also got, during asparagus season, we tend to do like a grilled asparagus with burrata. Um, just a bit more fun things and they tend to end up outside I suppose a bit more casual things so yeah. you know the whole sort of burratery um, sourdough grilled sourdough with um, you know like um, uh, tomato uh, tomatoes on top with smoked cheese and mm. you know uh, wild garlic and forage things on top um, we tend to we tend to do a lot of more of the veggie and vegan pizzas right. I think that's more popular and um, we haven't been actually offering any vegetarian burgers. We've never really had many people ask. Um, but I think for us, it was also, we didn't want to compromise just having one grill, just purely yeah. vegetarian, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, again, we, we're similar size. You know, we can seat up to like 200-odd people outside. And, and if they're all ordering burgers, and then you have, have, you know, five vegetarians in a day or six vegetarians and then having to keep a full yeah. you know, are you seeing are you seeing a decline in like I'm, I'm seeing a decline in vegetarian sales like right. yeah like seriously mm. I've seen yeah like, we've got less now than we have had for a while yeah. and we've got less vegans now thankfully than we have had for a while um so you wouldn't know it from the feedback. The feedback's still always the same as it has been. You know, it's, uh, you haven't got enough vegan dishes on, yeah, so but you it, can be yeah. like 1% vegan dishes, but you still get told that you're less, vegan. There's less of them, but, but they still but, Yeah, but they always complain, though, but I think I see it on sales. They, like, we do we do a lot of vegan and vegetarian food, and it's, their sales are really not there anymore. Right. They just, I think... I think the, the, the challenge is, though, what you've got to try and do, you've got to push it to the point where when you put the vegan dish on and go, that sounds banging, I want to eat that. Yeah. You know, yeah, that that's yeah, the challenge. Yeah, it ain't happening. But is it also, though, because uh, the way, way consumers are, are, are changing, you know, eating out is more of a treat. So previously, yeah. if they'd eaten out, they were probably going for a more healthier option, things like that, whereas now they go, actually, fuck it, I'm having the yeah. steak and everything else. Going wild. Mm. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we find it really strange. I mean, we're in the middle of Cumbria, and I mean, I mean we're not in the middle of nowhere, I would say, but we're, we're still, we're not in a large town, mm. and you come to a, a Cumbrian pub, yes, we are a bit more modern than most sort of countryside. We're not the Tweedy sort of stuffed animal kind of pub, but, you know, we're... we're uh, but you come to a place called the Black Bull and we source our own meat and, you know, it's an important part of, of Cumbria. I mean, most of our, like three quarters of our customer base is red wine, red meat eating and, mm. you know, there's sort of that kind of customer base. And you're not doing your research yet, you're coming to a place that is so meat focused and then you want, you know, there you have a couple saying that's a vegan and they want two different dishes yeah. each night and you just think, We'll do something for you, but you'll just have to trust us on that. But if we yeah. put that on regularly on the menu, it's just not quite not going to work. Yeah, worth it for us. It's yeah. you know, and then if we just put vegan dishes on, which we have had for a while, we had a vegan starter, a vegan nibble, and a vegan main, and vegan dessert, and then all the vegetarians go, "Well, where's the cheese?" 
Yeah. And you just yeah. think you can't win, you know. <laughs> it, it just you can't win. I mean, so we we always we always now advise people just to let us know that they are vegan. It's not to make you know a fuss. It's just so that we make sure that you actually have something for you there. Yeah. Um, because you know people might say and ring up and say, oh, we'll just go somewhere else. But where are you going to go? There's two other pubs in there. <laughs> you know. And, <laughs> Good luck. Right, you know, another half an hour. So it's funny. Yeah. We actually get all of our meat shipped down from Cumbria. Okay. Oh, do you? Yeah, from oh, yeah. farmers. Yeah. Which yeah. I think that was something that I was going to mention. It's like having a good relationship with a good butcher. It's really quite yeah. easy. This, well, you know. Yeah. I think mean, you know when you can phone them up and they'll go, "I've got a bit of this this week, or I've got a bit of that," and you're like, "Will that work?" Or they'll help. They're actively really helpful with for us yeah. with us about um, you know what's what's good, what we can get hold of. Some you know we help them out. Some you know some big post central London restaurant normally has these hasn't taken them you can have them yeah, yeah, why not? Why not? It's a good point. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm conscious of time, unfortunately, guys. Um, we barely scratched the surface and get into half the stuff I wanted to talk about. So maybe we'll do another episode. Purely well, what, you could barbecue. Do barbecue. Yeah, we could. There you go. We could. There we go. Oh, yeah, he's got exciting. That's the yeah. first time ever. Yay. So, uh, uh, Phil, have you ever set fire to a customer? No, that was my flatmate once. There we came out. <laughs> about that. Yeah, I like the fact that you didn't even consider it. I, mean, uh, you I? I didn't even ask Keith because no. I mean, let's face it, it's bound to have happened. Yeah, that's uh, kind of has at some point. And yeah, Nina, went up. far more, far more responsible. Operator. Come on, man, get the program. It's not my fault. She leaned, she leaned back, and there was a candle ones. behind her, and her hair caught fire oh, in the pub. It wasn't. It wasn't my. It wasn't I mean, my proudest moment. There was a reason I didn't ask you it, and um, yeah, and that's why. I thought you knew that happened. Oh, you may have told me. Okay. You tell me so much. I mean, we haven't even gone to the routes yet. That's later when we talk about breasts. But um, guys, uh, in the meantime, thank you very much for that. Uh, much appreciated. We will probably come back to you on barbecue at some point, but for the moment, thank you very much. You're listening to the Lock In Podcast with myself, Ed Beddington, Heath Ball and Nikki Thatcher. We're focusing on the summertime and summer trading in this episode and with the sun finally shining, hopefully the punters will be flocking out to your pubs. But what to offer on the drinks front to keep them there? I'm delighted to welcome top consumer trends expert Phil Montgomery from CGA joining us to chat through the trends you should be on top of. So great to have you on the podcast, Phil. Thank you. So, I mean, when it comes to, to summer drinks, you know, what, what kind of things are people looking for? What are you guys seeing? What are the key trends? Um, it's really interesting. Obviously, it's a, it's a really dynamic um, part of the year. I think, obviously, it's really key for, for operators over that summer period. We know when we look at the drink sales that typically the summer um, versus the rest of the year is about 3.5% up from a sales perspective. And obviously, it's about informing your range and product document most of that. Side is a big part of it, you know, experience is kind mm-hmm. of the biggest uplift over that summer period. Right. Um, and when we looked at it in 2022, I think it was about 20% up versus the rest of the year. Um, okay. So that's one of the key ones to go for. Um, we know, you know, range is a big part of, of cider, um, both in terms of apple and fruit um, being kind of key saleable uh, qualities over, over that period. Um, and we know also premium options within your cider range is really important because you know, half of consumers are all looking to trade up in terms of their drinks choice, they're looking for better quality. And so combining those three elements can, can be really effective to leverage cider 
that's one of those key is, sectors. Is, uh, is cider something that, uh, that you've uh, focused on, Heath? Have you got to do up your cider in the summer months? Uh, yeah, but we carry it. Like, at the red, we don't do a lot of, like, I suppose we do. It's more rosé and stuff, like, you know, like that. That's not cider. Just I know, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, but, you know, like, I'll need to educate you about what... Yeah, thanks, Ed. Um, wine and yeah, but it always picks up. Cider always picks up because it's, it's refreshing, isn't it? It's mm. it's more quest-fringing. But you don't actively... So when the summer comes, you don't up your range of cider or no. get anything No, different. but we carry a range in it. We have one on draft and we have, like, six or seven in bottles. But I just think the market's got a bit mental. Like, all these flavours and it's just... It's not even well-made cider, a lot of the stuff. It's just flavoured fucking... You know what I mean? It's just alcohol pops, basically. I mean, you know what I mean? hold back that. Well, it's uh, true, though, isn't it? It's shit. And the, the kids today don't care. Like, oh, yeah, I'll have blackberry and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's my fave. Oh, <laughs> you're so trashy, Nikki. One of the kids of today. Hello. Yeah, you're trashy. No, but like, yeah, but cider, I think it's more quen- thirst quenching and that's things very English, but I see that the, the premium cider market's lifted a bit more and I think people are more, more discerning and they want quality, well-made cider that's made I, properly. I thought that, I mean, the, the, the flavoured cider things, that's probably just a consistent year round, Because I, I can't imagine, I think the people that drink that kind of stuff will drink it whether yeah, it's summer it's like, or It's the hooch of fucking cider, isn't it? You know what I mean? Remember Hooch and all that shit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just Alka-Pops. Mm. I mean, it is, it's all in the same taste profile. I think you mentioned Rosé there. It's yeah. almost kind of the same kind of drinker. It's that flavour, accessible, sweet. Yeah, well, Rosé, but you drink that... ro- like Rosés today from Provence. are just so lean, no fruit. Just tastes like, and everybody wants some ice cold. It's just alcohol water, basically. Yeah. There's no fruit. There's no enjoyment in it. So what do you stock then on the rosé front? Let's, yeah, I do. Uh, I carry quite a few roses, but then, but I try and I try and lean people to all more chilled reds, like really light-bodied reds that lend themselves just a bit more flavour. Um, but um, we get more of a discerning clientele up here. It's not. It's not where you really? are. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, yeah. I'll take that insult on the chin. Um, I mean, what what else, uh, Phil? What else are we seeing? Um, I mean, there's no getting away from cocktails. Obviously, um, yeah. they, they're a big part of of the summer season. You know, we know the kind of key part of the year for the category to, to capitalise on um, you know, the size of the category overall year rounds is about nearly 700 million now mm. I mean, they're obviously everywhere, they're in a third of all venues um, and they've exploded out of the reopening, we know from our consumer research again that consumers actually adapt their cocktail preference based on the time of year and mm. I think it's 93% of cocktail drinkers drink cocktails in the summer versus 34% in the winter so really key, key area to leverage it and I think, from, again, from our sales data, 10% more cocktails were sold in summer 22 versus the rest of the year in 22. So really important. But again, it's about range in all of that as well. You know, mm. lighter, fruit choices, they're the ones that are coming through. Spritz, Mojito, Daiquiri, they're all over trading versus the rest of the But I think year. operators have got better at leveraging that, haven't they? I think in the past, in the old days, you'd go to a pub in England and you'd go, oh, and you'd have like a... Pims and lemonade, and everybody used to do jugs of Pims, and that was the sort of drink. But now you go into pubs, and they've got like you know frozen margaritas. They've got all the different spritz. They're doing you know it's, everyone's really hustling a bit more than they used to. There's is, more range. Is, is Pims still? A, is Pims? Still I think quite, Pims is dead, dead, isn't it? Think it's dead. I, mean, I, I oh. see lots of yeah. chatter from certain parts, and they, they sort of complain about the pain the arse is to make and things like that. Which I and there's so much fruit going into it as well. It's just shit. Well, I mean, that's the cost of that alone. I mean, yeah. is Pims a, a, a popular choice, uh, Phil? We're still selling peaks in, in those kind of brands um, for the traditional summer, and I think those those kind of brands are obviously associated with certain events as well. Yeah, which mean that yeah. you know, from a consumer perspective, mm. that, that's always going to be wedded to the season. Yeah. Um, but you know, the likes of spritz, kind of different serves across different brands, are, are playing a role and, and kind of 
gradually do you, and what do you, what are you are you guys are you guys monitoring like trends that are coming through slowly are you seeing anything any drinks that are like on the cusp of being really trendy coming through is yeah it? yeah I think in terms of I guess big broad macro pieces obviously rum continue and tequila yeah we've talked about that for many years we're still starting to now see that leveraged in, in the sales data and you know a lot of their vehicles for consumption is cocktails um, mm. and spirit mixers and so you know naturally they're going to get in a bit more traction over over summer because of that um i think you know we obviously there's the perennial question of, of no low as well even we're still in the yeah. summertime with you know no low options you know seeing those uplift versus the rest of the year because again they tie into some of those occasions of maybe day, more daytime uh, occasions where you're looking for kind of lighter choices um but again like for if you're a licensee thinking about stocking those kinds of brands it's about rate of sale we're still not seeing maybe the grab in terms of a rate of sale yeah. for an outlet versus you know you, you kind of established categories and so there's always going to be a decision to make there based on the, the person walking through the door i guess yeah i mean you mentioned spritz are there any particular sort of spritz oh, brands or things that are particularly strong i'm thinking one beginning with an a oh so. april shit like <laughs> like anybody and they all go on holiday these people go on holiday to italy and they drink these aprils it's shit it's just shit drink and they come back from holiday and they go oh, i'm an april spritz no one fucking likes it and they force themselves to like it because they think that's what they should be drinking because mm-hmm. the italians drink it mm-hmm. i'm so fucking bored mm-hmm. of april it, and it, the colour is can't be real. They're, they're crushing beetles or something. You know what I mean? No thanks. <laughs> wow. I mean, I didn't set that up in the slightest. No. That, that yeah. was uh, fucking yeah, tired of that. April. <laughs> A little bit of April spritz. Well done, I mean, you. Have you. You've got frozen margaritas. Yep, that's huge for us. Yeah, it's a proper drink. But I mean, that's year round, isn't it? Yeah, they get. But it. does it spike in the summer? Yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah like mm. it does. Mm. But you know, it's frozen drink. It's hot. And yeah. you do it for takeaway as well. Yeah, we do a lot of takeaways. Here, yeah, like, but look at it. And they, they, they fuck you up, man. We've got, we got, we got a lot of alcohol in there. <laughs> I mean, you could put a little less alcohol. No. In them. It's, uh, no. No, you want, you want to get your customers inebriated. Yeah, I want them to have fun. <laughs> I, want them to, I want them to have fun. Like, otherwise, life's shit. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, it's... Uh, what else? What, 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 should, what should people look to avoid, Phil? What would be the products that you kind of maybe want to dial down a bit in, in the summer? Mild. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, he. Yeah, I guess any of the heavier traditional um, categories. I mean, uh, you've seen, you know, you, you see that, that note towards premium brands and treating treating yourself. So we've seen the last award log continue to, to be important, um, and that's obviously at the cost of, of certain other LED categories. You know, more of the standard variety where probably slightly under trade over over some period because people are looking to treat themselves. They're looking to get out, they're looking to enjoy themselves in the sun and, and therefore people are, are more open to, to spending a bit more for a great experience. And so I think that's probably where as a macro trend, you know, a lot of purchasing habits are going and, and therefore should be considered in stock. Okay. I mean, in terms of um, sort of emerging things to keep an eye on, what would be your, your, your key thing that operators should be, be thinking about then? I think, to be, I mean, again, it's been talked about a little bit, but tequila and where how that's starting to emerge. Yeah. Again, it's mm. one of those ones that has been flowing around for quite a number of years, and there was, there's been a lot of uh, watching. I was taking a watching brief of whether that's going to hit that critical mass. We're starting to see, you know, via via cocktail serves um, and also even kind of spirit mix or expressions, 
that that is now starting to, to permeate and we're seeing the range of, of tequila in certain areas of the market in growing beyond kind of the established uh, kind of more single serve shop um, delivery of, of that format and so as people explore that I think that's, that's definitely one to watch over over this summer and actually over over the rest of the year and into 2024 as well fantastic brilliant okay we're out of time but Phil thank you very much for that some great insights thanks Phil You're listening to the Lock In Podcast with myself, Ed Beddington, Nikki Thatcher and Heath Ball. We're talking summer trading and for pubs with outdoor spaces, a great summer is a boom time as people flock to enjoy the sunshine. But with those people come other less welcome guests, the dreaded wasps, for example. So to discuss the perennial challenges of pests, uh, I'm delighted to welcome Natalie Bungay, Technical and Compliance Manager with the British Pest Control Association, to give us some great advice. So thanks for joining us, Natalie. So I know problem at all. It's a bit of a title, isn't it? Yeah, sometimes it's just easier saying technical manager. <laughs> there we go. I, I, I should have known that at the start, but there we go. Um, I really appreciate you getting joining this uh, the podcast. Um, we we want to talk about some of the challenges. I mean, it's not just wasps that can be a nuisance uh, for operators, but they probably are the arch nemesis of any punter that's trying to enjoy a quiet drink in a beer garden. So uh, what, what can operators do? Because, I mean... We can't control wasps, much as Heath has tried strapping various things to them over the years. I mean, what Terrible. what can we do? Yeah, I mean, the problem. So the problem with with wasps is that if you've got a nest on your property and that's why they're causing an issue, then fine, you can deal with it, and it's pretty straightforward. But a lot of the time, as you just mentioned there, it's a case of the wasps are just generally in the area seeking out sweet foods hanging around the bushes that might be next to the lovely garden that you're sat in and of course we're talking about wasps not heath (laughs) yeah no not heath it's just it's it's one of those things that's going to happen and if there's no nest there to deal with then yeah absolutely right how how are you going to deal with them Mm. but there are ways um you can put things up like wasp pots you know actually named um (laughs) pots that you put up with sweet stuff in it and it attracts the wasps away from where you're sitting so that's probably the most common thing that you have i don't know have you experienced or or seen that happen before yeah i mean what what do you do we we seem to have a problem we're in a very leafy part of north london in Highgate, and we get a problem with wasps and it like you go and talk to your neighbors if you've got a wasp nest and we put loads of those pots up everywhere like i mean to the point it's out of control and you're still getting bombarded with them they still just come in it's just relentless you know you're trying to find where they're coming from and our neighbor down the back is 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 there a best practice with the pots though is that is there something that you should be is it heath getting something wrong yeah should i put them i put i put them away it's further like i put them on the perimeter of the of the pub i don't put them in the pub garden i'll go around to the trees on the side and try and build like a you know a wall a wall basically yeah. Is that bad? I mean, it's, it's, trial, it's trial and error with, with some of these things, you know, depending on which species species you've got. You know, you've got wasps, but also you've got things like hoverflies and bees and um, other pollinating insects that actually look like wasps. We're shooting their wasps. They yeah. might not be wasps. But it depends on what species you've got and whether they're going to be attracted to the um, the liquid that you're putting within those pots. So we've got to make sure that we're just experimenting. If you're putting them in an area with a particular liquid in there and it's not working, move them, change the liquid. What do you suggest? Because you, know? you get the ones when you buy the packets and the, in the, you know, they give you like you add it water and stuff. But I put cider in there. I try beer. Mm-hmm. I try Coca Cola. <laughs> trying to get them drunk. Here. Yeah, but I just you try and get things like, that they're attracted mm-hmm. to. You don't want drunk ones. It's really hard. Like 
you know what I mean? Like it's. Have you have you used the recommended um, liquid that's come with the product? Yeah, I have, and that seems yeah. to work. That seems probably the best thing. But they still like, you know what I mean? Like when it's really hot. We're lucky this year; we haven't had a hot summer so far. But it's when you start getting the those big black flies as well. Like the I don't know what they call them. Flies. Yeah, they're huge, and then you're just getting. You know, the problem is customers want to be outside, but, you know, it's mm-hmm. such a first world problem. They're like, oh, there's, there's flying insects. And you're like, well, you're sitting outside. Yeah, you know, indeed. It's, it's, it's really hard. I mean, it's different with, with wasps and stinging insects. Obviously, there's a concern about the health and safety. So if someone gets stung and have an anaphylactic shock, it's an issue. But mm. I have seen some establishments in the past where they've actually tried to positively promote things like flying insects because you know whether it's a, a blue bottle flyer or a wasp they're actually beneficial insects mm. you know they pollinate their their own pest controllers they kill things like or predate on aphids so they help horticultural side of things so actually saying to customers look you want to sit outside enjoy the sunshine great you might be joined by a few flying insects don't worry about it too much we're doing what we can to keep them down but you know what enjoy them also have, have you seen Ecosystem. Have you seen a decline? Like I've been reading some stuff lately, and there seems to be a decline of flying insects around lately. And I'm not seeing as much as I used to see summer. Mm-hmm. Like we're not seeing anything now. Like it's is that because is it the wrong time of the year? Or is it too not. cold? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought exactly the same thing this time last year. However, uh, I was on my way to Scotland the other week from Yorkshire, and my car was covered in various uh insect debris um a lot compared to the previous year so i actually think we're seeing an increase uh, in comparison to last year from this year but they're very weather dependent insects are very temperature dependent if our weather is particularly cool which strangely it is at the moment there are going to be they're not going to breed as quickly or as efficiently it's usually about 13 degrees celsius is where they minimum that they need to have a good breeding cycle so anything below that or around that there's going to be less whereas the temperature starts picking up we'll see more that's the general rule so there's no uh, there's not a particular peak wasp season per se don't it's they have a thing where the wasps uh, they get kicked out of the nest and then isn't there something where they, they they're, I, they're more I've always thought ever. I've always thought they're more 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 annoying and dangerous towards the end of the summer because they're 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 sort of but isn't there something to do with their life cycle where well, yeah and then they become a bit grumpier yeah a bit dozy don't they dozy yeah. wasps yeah is that I mean are we making that up uh, I mean you're the you're the expert are we talking out of our asses now absolutely not no no I mean they do have a season so again it's weather dependent as soon as it starts warming up in in spring that's when they'll the queen will come out so it is only the queen you, the, nests don't overwinter they don't hibernate for the winter they just the queen does right. um, and she pops out in spring and um, starts feeding and building a nest and you're absolutely right towards the end of the season they generally come a little bit more aggressive um, and that's because they're feeding on things like fallen apples from trees which are fermented and they can have that kind of uh, drunk feel as mm. everyone likes to say and of course when you're drunk you're a bit more aggressive <laughs> <laughs> well, you've met, you've met oh, I just like cuddling <laughs> yeah. I'm moving away. Um, it, is it just? I mean, wasps are, are, are one problem. Mention flies. Well, I mean, what other pests are, are a nuisance in the summer? Oh blimey, uh, a lot. So, mm. gen- insects certainly number one. That, that, yeah. That's the a season when pest controllers are, are busier. So, flies like house flies are really particularly yeah. annoying. Oh, flies, I get so angry about flies because this is what I don't understand is how they can come in my house with the smallest window gap 
and that's fine. But uh, yeah, and then I open all the doors and all the windows, and they can't get back out. And how they have all of outside, like they've got the whole sky, they've got so much well, outside. Yeah, they want to come I, in my house. I was reading I've an never, I've never thought that before. You're right. How yeah. they get in very easily? But, but it's airflow. Oh guys, I've read an article about it the other day. It's airflow. So where you've got the flow going in your house, they get trapped. They yeah, but what? I open all the windows and all the doors and they still can't get out. Why? Why are they so stupid? <laughs> it really like, angers me. Do you, do you live in... Blue sky and they're like, I want to get out here, there, and there, and there. <laughs> you open a window, they don't notice that difference. So they're just kind of like bashing around. Oh, for the God. Yeah. Angers me so much. I mean, you're a, you're a woman of uh, patience, Nikki. What about, what about like um, <laughs> somebody was saying to use peppermint spray? Is that like, you know, around the building and it sort of de- deters animals like, like wasps and stuff, cats? Is that, is that right or is that somebody just made that up for me? I mean, we get all sorts of that. There's nothing, so there's no scientific study to say that they work. Uh, so in the professional sense, we don't use them or recommend them. But, you know, what's the harm in trying? Um, you know, certain scents can, um, certainly strong smelling anything can put off insects. They can be particularly susceptible to it. So, you know, we use citronella for various... I was going to say, yeah, The problem with citronella is you, you, if you're having dinner... It, it dominates your taste buds. Like, it, it, it yeah. permeates into your mouth. And then you can't... You're trying to enjoy some nice meal and all you smell is citronella. Yeah, it's not pleasant. Um, and, that, and that's the problem. You know, they are very potent in smell. Um, uh, so, yeah, you don't, you've got to be careful where you administer it in case it yeah, upsets your customers in a, in a different way other uh, than the insect. And, I mean, we... we Met, what's the most effective thing for, for, for wasps and flies and things like that? Is it the jars? Is that the best way to, to tackle that? If there's not a nest. So, obviously, if there is a nest, that's the best way to tackle it. But if you've got no nest and you're just unfortunate you're in a flight path and they've decided that, hmm, there's some yummy things around here and we're going to hover around, then, yeah, it's a firefighting uh, process using uh, wasp pots to try and um, draw them away. Obviously, if you're inside, you can use electric fly killers, but not outside, of course. Mm. Um, and just try and create an environment where maybe they don't want to be. So any bushes you've got nearby to where people are sitting, you know, keep those to a minimum. Because they are pollinators, would agree. They'll they'll predate on aphids. So mm. when those aphids are around plants or on plants, that's why you get wasps flying around them moths. a lot because yeah. they're yeah you know, feeding on those aphids. Um, and yeah, maybe some you know fly swats on the table. <laughs> oh, imagine <laughs> that. I mean, is it true though if you kill a wasp? All his mates all, come and want to kill yeah, you. Going, yeah, they're going. You're going to then get attacked by Yeah, they phone their mates. <laughs> they knock your 6310 <laughs> eye out. They give you a call. Absolutely, they do. They do emit an alarm call. Yeah. There you go. You, know, you sting, see. So once they sting you, they'll also emit an alarm call. I stung someone. They're annoying. Come and help me. Uh, oh, do they really do that? Yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, they don't carry mobile phones with them. But so, so okay. So don't kill a wasp then. I mean, I, I mean, we always advocate not to kill anything you don't need to, but of course, if you feel in danger at the time... Don't then, go too uh, clear. Feel in yeah. danger. I mean, why, yeah. why, but they are quite annoying, and they tend to follow... I mean, maybe it's me. I just seem to get stalked you by smell. wasps. You can run around screaming like a girl. Because it's all the sugar you, you eat. Your blood's it, probably... You, got, like, you, you drink too much alcohol. There's uh, sugar uh, and alcohol. Yeah, Coming okay, from yeah. you. I mean, it's rich. Yeah, I don't um, get stung. Like, like, well, I don't get stung because I run away. <laughs> I've seen you run. It's not running. It's not very it's fast. A, it's like <laughs> my heart, my heart. <laughs> I mean, it, it, is, it, why are they so persistent? It's just, I mean, they can travel very easily, so of course they can uh, come in and out as freely as they want, and they're persistent because you've got something they want. Yeah, I what's mean, the like ra- what, pest, what's the range on them? Mice. 
What, sorry, what's the range on them from their nest? African swallow. No, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. I haven't me- measured it recently. But is it, no, is it a decent distance? You can use a kilometre is generally... Um, really? The, the distance. Wow. But they'll, they'll, they'll go as close as possible. Again, any pest, any, any human, any animal will always go to the easiest source of food. So True. usually they're pretty nearby. You'd say, mm. you know, if you've got a few buildings around you, they might be just, yeah. say, 200, 300 yards away. But, yeah, they can go for a good kilometre. They could go a lot further if they need to. But when they're building a nest, they do try and find somewhere that's close Closer. to us and um, got a food source. And we, we focused on wasps and flying insects mainly, but obviously some uh, people eating outside, they're dropping food. I mean, I guess that, that creates a problem with uh, rats as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd pay for you. Uh, yes, Ed, I've had rats. problems with rats before, Ed. <laughs> I was sitting in my pub and the rat walked in the front door mm-hmm. while yes. I was open. Yes. Literally walked in the front door. Oh, we, we won't get into how you dealt with that problem because... Uh, uh, the, yeah, let's just say that the... Yeah, it wasn't nah. pretty, but... Yeah, they, but we... we they approved. Yeah, we, we, we bait up all around. In summer, we bait up all the back gardens with poison and stuff in those containers and the pest control company I use because they, they literally will just walk in, in the door. And is, is that more of a problem in the summer as well, uh, Natalie, or, or, or is it just year-round? Um, yeah, I mean, general, during the winter is when you're going to get most problems inside your property just because, you know, it's cold and they want to be yeah. warm, so they're going to come in, whereas during the... Uh, summer they'll move away however if they've got a really good spot within a building they'll remain living in there and just wander out a bit more freely uh, but the general yeah during the summer you'll get them outside in garden or open spaces a lot more than you will in the winter mm-hmm. yeah general maybe rule. that's maybe that's a positive you could advertise it you know wildlife <laughs> visible in the garden yeah yeah we put loads uh, of little mouse because you get wild mice from the Hampstead heat coming over and we just have to put loads of like poison around just killing them all well you, you, you just like, get a cat <laughs> yeah I've got <laughs> dogs I've got dogs though like yeah they don't really get on do they oh well yeah. there you go uh, Natalie really appreciate your time that we are we are out of time but thank you for that some some really You're good cool. things there so thank you very much yeah. thanks Natalie thanks, thanks Natalie everyone. cheers listening to the lock in podcast and we are at the end of this episode the penultimate episode of this season uh penultimate that means second to last teeth oh i thought it was a rash i had yeah no no it's not okay, some cream for that though oh, um, cream. sandpaper we've ah. we've been talking about summer um we've we've heard that heath has a problem with moths yeah we're talking yeah. about summer ironically in, in june and cold it's so garden. cold yeah, we put some clothes on. Basically, I've got I didn't ask you to wear a bikini to the pub. What the fuck, man? Did you see that? So There's a man in his thong. Yeah, true. Oh, the, is this about the Australian pub? No, did you see the one about the couple that went into the pub that were naked and got served <laughs> and had dinner? No. Like, what, oh, full I, on naked? Yeah, full on naked. And, and the customers wrote complaints because they couldn't believe they got served and seated. The bartender took their order and they sat in the corner and had lunch. Good on Nudists. But I'll send you the article. But well, as long as they put some towels on the seats, I'm sure yeah, it's it's, fine. It's, it's, <laughs> it's interesting. You know, the moth thing, uh, sorry, the um, wasp thing's interesting because it looks like all you've got to do is put loads of those things around, which I do every year, but it's still a relentless yeah, but, uh, problem. You, the, you, you, I can just imagine, you know, you'll get one of those jam jars or the wasp trapped yeah. wasps in with yeah, the stuff yeah. in the bottom all the wasps yeah, are filled yeah. up then you end up with some kid coming on giving it a good shake <laughs> letting <laughs> them all out in Highgate they'll be like oh free them I'm a Buddhist free them and then you'll fly get, free and then you'll get a trip advisor review oh yeah my son got bit by 100 wasps can't believe you have the wasp things hanging around yeah look it's you know what I mean it's like 
it, it's a it's a funny time of year. Like we're not having summer right now, and you know we've got the wasp problems yeah. and whatever. Like you know, it's good to see people doing barbecues like Phil and yeah, barbecues uh, is good. We, 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 they've managed to avoid taking fire to customers. <laughs> You've apparently set fire. Come on, we need to hear the story now. Of no, we had we have candles as a lot of pub do to create uh-huh. a nice, beautiful ambiance. And, uh-huh. and this lady, we had one on a ledge, and she leant back laughing, and she had hairspray, and the whole fucking thing went. Off. <laughs> How was that Google review? Oh, no, I, didn't, I think, yeah, no, I didn't get a Google well, review. Well, how did you handle that situation? Fire extinguisher in the face? Nah, fire blanket over her head. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? Seriously. Yeah. Was she okay? Was she... She was traumatised. Well, yeah, burns. yeah, but was she To be honest, she had a shit haircut anyway. <laughs> you can't say probably, anything think, about haircuts. <laughs> probably did her You can't a have any say on haircuts. Why not? Because you've got, got no, no hair. hair. Yeah, well, hold on. Some of the greatest hairdressers in the world had no hair. I don't get done ask for names. Never trust a bald barber. <laughs> Never trust a skinny chef and a bald barber. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah. So what, what have you learned, Heath? What would you, what, uh, anything? What, from today's yes. one? Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, what, uh, takeaways? Um, yeah, no, uh, we're fucked with wasps. Um, <laughs> there's not much we can do. Um, they can fucking fly up to a kilometre away from their nest. Great. Yeah, but you, she said you can just change, like, try changing where you put the little trap things mm. or change yeah. the liquid that you put in there. I've got a game. I just oh get loads God. of those electric fly squats and give them to the little fucking shits that come into the pub. <laughs> That'll and, stop and ruining your plants. Yeah, and they could just there go around go. smashing yeah. shit. Yeah. What, the, like my, the tennis racket thing. To be yeah. fair, my, my granddad used to pay us for uh, killing butterflies when we were kids. That's a little bit morbid, isn't it? He's had a lot, he had like uh, an allotment out on the side of his house where he was growing lettuce and things like that. And he'd obviously take, I mean, to be fair, this is the same man that used to shoot sparrows and hang them from his oh, thatch roof as well. So, wow. Um, but yeah, he used to, we used to get a bounty on every butterfly. What's well, uh, wrong with butterflies? Killed. What, a bounty but, chocolate bar? Well, it's a bit late, isn't it? But, I mean, maybe they lay caterpillar eggs and they eat his lettuce. That sort of thing. So. But to be honest, by the time we'd killed them, they'd probably lay the eggs mm. and the caterpillars are out. So. I, suppose, I suppose food was really important during the war, so I suppose <laughs> him having to do that was really good. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah, the Falklands War was a difficult time. Yeah, like, you, uh, can't, you can't even spell Falklands. <laughs> Uh, right, well, I think on that note... Uh, so what are we doing the next one on? We don't uh, even have a well, we haven't yet. decided yet, so... Uh, but, uh, it'll be a nice will, surprise uh, for you. Yeah, it'll be a nice surprise for you and our list. Well, actually, I was going to say, it's always a surprise for Heath because the engagement here is uh, interesting. Oh, I, read, I read the script briefly. Yeah, indeed. I uh, skimmed this subject line. Script for podcast today. I went, oh, shit, really? Is it today? I mean, I, I, your, your your passion and uh, dedication and uh, the enthusiasm is radiating off is, you right uh, now. We're talking about yoga, right? <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we will be back uh, next time with the last episode of this season because this is a penultimate one. So, last one next time. Penultimate sounds like a chocolate bar from Australia. Excellent. Well, know. You would know. <laughs> um, we're not entirely sure what it'll be on, but it will be amazing, I promise. Uh, in the meantime, like, share, tell your friends, feel free to comment and get in touch online. We will be back. Until next time, farewell. Ciao. Bye-bye. You always have the last word. <laughs>